0: Struts like John Wayne, resembles Jim Carrey, and dresses like he's visually impaired. Because he is. Insight. Insight with Mark Farrell on the Progressive Radio Network. Network.
1: Network. Network. Well, if you want to cool off, do not come to New York City. It is another oven like day here today. Good morning. Hey, it's Mark Farrell. Welcome to Insight on the Progressive Radio Network. Hope you're having a good morning so far. Thanks for the Thursday hang. We got a great show coming. You're going to meet Kate Ekman. She is just phenomenal. She's a broadcast journalist, TV personality, accomplished entrepreneur, a mindfulness expert. I wish I was that. A certified executive coach and author. Her brand new book is called The Full Spirit Workout, a 10 step system to shed your self doubt, strengthen your spiritual core, and create a fun and fulfilling life. You game? Yeah, I see your hand raised. Of course, how could you not be? Uh, We got all kinds of things coming for you. We'll be talking about the Paralympics and Olympics starting a week from tomorrow. Really stoked about that. I don't know. Call me corny, but I'm just like uh, all Americana when it comes to sport in America. And of course, on the international platform of competition, especially in the world that we live in nowadays, where, yes, we're in the wake of covid and I'm hoping for a kinder, gentler, more thankful and grateful world. So hopefully the uh, Olympics will see a lot of that reflected, of course, the Paralympics as well. We'll be talking about um, a great experience me and my family has. As a matter of fact, I woke up this morning with Coldplay's new song, You've Got Higher Power. Yeah, I'm sorry. I will never sing for you again. That was just atrocious. Anyway, uh, yeah, their new song came out a couple weeks ago. And this is kind of neat because uh, we had a hookup for Rockefeller Center because the Today Show has concerts Well, they used to have summer concerts, of course, from late spring to end of September, I think. And, of course, it was always a big deal. And, of course, with COVID, it's also, you know, put the kibosh on a lot of that. But two weeks ago, Coldplay, yes, Coldplay, Chris Martin, man, he's just incredible. The band is just so spirited, and their music is incredible. Uh, Even if you don't like their music, you got to like kind of who he is and what he stands for. Well, you don't have to, of course. (laughs) I mean, you can like and dislike whoever you want. But anyway, we had an opportunity to check them out, and it was a great, great experience because my kids love it. My son is a drummer, um, and he was actually about to play a Coldplay song, Clocks, one of their famous songs, um, that Sunday after and uh, at a, they call it a big gig at a place down the shore in Asbury Park where he goes to Lakehouse Music Academy. Anyway, so we got some tickets. We got there and we got a nice hookup in a VIP area. And then my connection said, no, 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 no. This is good, but we got to get you in front of the stage. And I'm like, no, no. I don't want to be that person right before a show who gets led down in front of everybody. I'm like, they're like, nope, you're going. You can't say no. I'm like, uh, Okay. So there we are getting led to the front of the stage and I was all embarrassed, kind of head down, sunglasses on. I'm like, okay, well, I'm doing it for the kids. Me and my wife are doing it for the kids. So it's me and my wife and my two kids. And sure enough, the lights go on and Chris Martin takes the stage and they are just killing it, man. Loving it. And what happens next could not have been scripted any better. In the middle of the song Higher Power, there's a line about a boy and Chris Martin comes down off the stage on live TV, camera on him. Then the camera follows him, goes right toward my son and daughter, sticks out his hand and shakes my son's hand on national TV. I kid you not. I was so elated. I I was so happy. I was just melting. Me and my wife were like, oh, my God, this is just surreal. And then, of course, my eight-year-old's like, well, Luke has his hand out, so I stuck my hand out. Good for her, man. Way to seize the moment and opportunity. So she stuck out her hand. Of course, Chris had no choice but to shake her hand. And then, of course, everyone, like a sea of hands are out, and he just turned around and got back up on stage and continued to do his magic. So to say it was magical Beyond words, like a surreal out-of-body experience, yep, that sums it up. I mean, have I been at tons of shows? Have you been at tons of shows where the feeling is just so euphoric? Yeah, of course. That's what live music's all about. So now take that feeling and multiply it by whatever, however exponentially high you can make it because no concerts in New York City for 16 months. City was shut down. And here you are. This was the first large concert. I think there was 500 people there. You had to show proof of vaccination. And here we are on the plaza. Did we meet Hoda? Oh, my God. She is just priceless. Breath of fresh air. Real as they come. She just took my phone, of course, yes, out of my hand, was taking selfies with me and my family. And the funniest part was my son got the camera and cropped us all out, and it was just him and Hoda. <laughs> <laughs> I totally love it. I totally would have done the same thing if I was a 12-year-old. Um, but Craig Melvin was awesome. Uh, Al was kind of like, yeah, waving. He couldn't really be bothered. You know, he's been in the business for so long. I think he's just a little bit jaded and just like, yeah, I'll give you the weather and give you some jokes, but I'm out of here, man. Uh, but it was, it was really an, a great, great experience to be on there. And you know what really summed it up for me was... When I was leaving, I told a family friend who works uh, around the corner, also in TV, in the uh, sales side. And Brendan met us at the plaza, and we are walking out. He's like, man, that was amazing. I could hear it all the way down the block. And he's like, listen to this, Mark. You know what was amazing? Yes, the concert was amazing, but this was even more amazing. He turned around he heard like air brakes going off. So it was a big truck behind him. Caught his attention. He turned around. A garbage truck stopped. New York City Department of Transportation. Got out and a guy with a vest on, garbage collector, was standing in front of his truck, just fist pumping to the music. Totally, totally into it. He took a picture of it. And then when the song and or set was over, the guy got up in his truck, started up, pulled away and beeped his horn. He goes, that was uh, such a pivotal New York City moment that I got goosebumps just thinking about that, man. Doesn't that, like, just, like, chills up your spine? That, you know, music is just so important. And the fact that a random person, of course, there are millions of people in New York City, but that a random person was so touched by that moment through live music was very emblematic of how everyone on that plaza felt, especially Hoda, Craig, Al, you name it, everybody was touched because it was moving. It was a really emblematic moment of the New York City coming back to life. And there's nothing, nothing more beautiful than that. Hey, hope your Thursday is going okay. Hope it's cooler wherever you are. But you know what I say? I say bring it on, man. You know, we're in the thick of summer. And why not? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, sometimes when I go out for a run or I'm going for a bike ride tonight, hopefully it's going to be like late 6.37 because it's getting dark almost like around 9 o'clock, which I totally love. Isn't that cool? Uh, but yeah, man, the humidity in terms of air quality for breathing is just pretty, pretty awful. Um, had a really good opportunity the other day to shoot a video or be part of a video shoot for SPTF, the Society for the Prevention of Teen Suicide. They are actually located in the town where I live in Freehold, New Jersey, an extraordinary organization that's been around for, I'd say, at least a decade now. But they do phenomenal work um, in the state of New Jersey and are expanding their reach reach uh, to national and um, just a committed group of people who use the science and use education and use outreach to schools um, to every component, every possible platform in existence, or they create it. And I love that. So they're creating a new video called Not My Kid, which the first one was highly successful, about advice on dealing with uh, depression, the loss of a child, to suicide, you name it. Um, very, very complicated stuff. But no, sometimes it's not complicated. It's, just, it's about awareness. It's about being tuned in. It's about... Uh, listening, it's about watching and paying attention to kids, whether their own, your own kids, or your nieces, nephews, grandchildren, or whatever. Um, but it's about the uh, obviously being tuned in. And so they asked me to be part of this video because I've spoken many times for uh, SPTS for their youth summits uh, that are located um, throughout New Jersey, which are just phenomenal. So I speak about mental health. And of course, I think it's vital as a male, as a father, as what I am supposedly perceived as a big, you know, uh, hulking guy to talk about something so real and so vulnerable. Because when you share your intimate details about your vulnerabilities on stage, which, of course, you know, I do. Um, if you don't, if it's the first time listening to the show, welcome to the show. You need a T-shirt. We should send you a T-shirt. That's what it's about. It's about connecting with people, right? If you don't connect with people on whatever platform, even in a relationship, just with a friend, it's just surface. You're just kind of killing time. And maybe that works for you. Good for you. But anyway, so uh, it's a great organization. So they're shooting this video. So um, I was asked uh, to be part of it. And they're like, well, we're going to have a teleprompter. I'm like, I, I can't read a teleprompter. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right, because of my visual impairment. They're like, oh. Uh, uh, I'm like, just send me the script. I'll memorize it. They're like, oh, okay, all right, great. So they send me the script, and, of course, all weekend long, I was on the air of um, kids, entertaining, you know, 10,000 different things to work on and to, to do. So <laughs> Sunday night into Monday morning, I'm trying to memorize the script. And thankfully, I, I kind of got it very quickly. I don't know whether it was because it was 2 o'clock in the morning and my brain was just very clear and relaxed, but I was able to commit it to memory. So I go to the shoot Monday morning, and it's actually shot in a golf club. And, of course, that's not really where you want to shoot a video where you want everyday people to relate because golf clubs are what? For the elite? Uh, of course, not all of them, but that's what the perceived game of golf is about, white man's sport you know, affluent people chasing a little white ball over a just a drop-dead gorgeous, you know, environment called a golf course. (laughs) So I'm like, yeah. So the one guy's like, you know, the, the director, he's like, you know, we should do something different. Like maybe in your car. I'm like, definitely in my car. I shot one of the best videos about what I do for a living as a motivational speaker in my car. Driving in my car, I had a crew, literally two guys on the roof of my car. I kid you not, driving down the road, Probably only going like five, seven miles an hour. But it looks like you're going faster. And the footage that they gathered was really, really good. So anyway, we we got in the parking lot. It was a cloudy day, so it was really good for shooting. And um, it was just great. It was just a interesting way to um, to be a part of something I'm really, really devoted to. But the ironic thing is that I'm so used to, as you can tell, I'm gesticulating because that's who I am in the studio. I'm talking. And being on the stage, whether it's talking about mental health, overcoming adversity, drugs and alcohol, self-entitlement, resiliency, a bevy of topics. I'm all over the place, not in terms of my topic, but in terms of being on the stage. Because I love, I don't like being sedentary on stage because I think people get too comfortable with just watching you. And 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 I think movement is key, not excessive movement. I go into the audience. I connect with people. I look at people in their eyes. Well, I, I try to look in their eyes. I can't see their eyes. But uh, that's a powerful part of it. So here I am now in a different environment in the cockpit of my car, having to sit entirely still and look at the camera. So the first take they said, done, I nailed it. But I felt like, eh, I don't know. I could, you know, enunciate and or punch certain words a little bit more. Of course, being real and not you know, committing this to memory or having it appear that I committed it to memory and certainly not reading it from a teleprompter. So I did it a few more times. Of course, the extraneous noises of a dumpster or garbage truck going by, the cicadas were just like deafening at one point. So the first take is probably what they're going to use, but we probably did about six or eight takes uh, maybe two or three others without interruptions from the cicadas and golf carts whizzing by. But, I, of course, when I pulled in, the only thing I could think about was Caddyshack. Because here you got the kids, you know, dispensing the golf carts and summer and, you know, the entitled older white people walking around, you know, demanding their clubs and all this stuff. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> This is such a baby Ruth in the pool, Caddyshack moment, man. What a, what a great movie. Hey, it's Mark Fowler. Thanks so much for uh, the Thursday hang. It's uh, Insight on the Progressive Radio Network. I'm just so psyched about my conversation I had with Kate Ekman uh, the other week. She is just a ball of energy, great insight, and not only, of course, has she been very successful as a TV reporter, anchor, journalist, you name it. But more importantly, it's about You know, stripping all that away and being real, just as I was alluding to before, about what makes you tick and listening to what's not working in your life and what's going to fix it. I mean, right. We all wake up sometimes going like, oh, man, I feel like crap or this lingering doom over your head about work, relationship facing an issue or avoiding an issue. And it's heavy, man. It takes a toll. So when you hear somebody like Kate Ekman be free of this and her practice and through her coaching techniques that she puts all together in her book, The Full Spirit Workout, I think you're really going to gravitate towards it. And of course, you know, uh, she speaks about God and religion, and, and that's not me. But I embrace people's passion because my My religion is decency. I don't go to church. I was raised Catholic. But my religion is decency. I believe in treating everybody with decency and the way I want to be treated. And do I believe in a higher power? Like, God, I, I think there's an energy out there, man. There's got to be a force, something responsible for this universe, man, that's pretty creative. Like the human anatomy. My God, this is, I could spend an hour on this alone. But anyway, let's get into the interview I recorded the other day with Kate Ekman because she rocks. Kate Ekman, it is a pleasure to finally meet you.
0: I'm so happy to be here with you. I feel like you're my, my long-lost friend.
1: I, I think there's a lot of synergy here. And and let's dive right into because apparently you had hard to believe some former traits that you felt were deplorable and that you recognize in others and that you didn't like that. What were those traits?
0: I think self-doubt. Someone who was, you know, presenting that perfect package to the world and achieving a lot of success on the outside, but was filled with anxiety, insecurity, um, turmoil and, and despair at times, quite frankly. And I think it's Like many, I I was guilty of placing all of my worth in the externals, what I looked like, how much money I made, how many jobs I was booking, how many people I was impressing, all the things that our culture says we have to do to be worthy of anything.
1: Well, in broadcast, I mean, that's the world. That's the reality that you live in.
0: Yeah. And, and. There's so much pressure placed upon us. And I think it's so easy because we are human to really subscribe to societal standards we don't believe in, to be mixed up in a culture that is all about how we don't add up, where we got it wrong, why we're not good enough, rather than plugging into the truth that we are powerful, we can do whatever we decide is important enough. Our opinions, our thoughts and feelings about ourselves are the only ones that truly matter.
1: Well said. Do you think the early template of how you had those traits that weren't admirable by yourself began in the pool because you learned how to work really, really hard as a swimmer, um, a swimmer that received a lot of accolades? And there's so much competition. I mean, it's almost there's so many parallels to like being in front of a camera and being in a pool, sink or swim, sharks in the water, um, you name it. But I imagine that there is so much self acceptance that you have to go through, and or pressure at the same time that you have to experience, and balance.
0: Yeah, and and I knew how hard I had to train my physical muscles to compete at a high level. Besides just dealing with all the other stuff, and so you know, as I went about my life and career and, and felt the struggle of trying to keep up and, and deal with all of the stress and pressures. And if you notice, um, you can get onto social media, turn on the TV for five minutes, you can be feeling so great about yourself and you can get taken out instantly by, oh my gosh, he or she has the cuter dog, outfit, vacation, spouse, shiny object, whatever it is. And so you may, you may get the shiny object that you want, but then after 20 minutes, you're like, all right, well, what's next? And you're onto the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And so as someone who knew how to train my physical muscles, I thought there must be a way to train my attitudinal muscles and get really fit and strong and resilient on the inside and combat emotional gravity, like stress, fear, anxiety, comparison, judgment, global pandemic, pick your poison.
1: Perfect storm. Uh,
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the reality is unfortunately, none of the nonsense is really going to go anywhere. And now we're even in a racially politically charged environment in our country. Um, There's a lot of good that is and can come from this, but it also, as you know, it weighs on us. And so that's why it's so important to do these inner exercises and get really fit and strong on the inside so that you can really weather whatever storm comes your way.
1: Do you think of the swimming that allowed you to maintain the, physical prowess that also allows you to, we'll get to the mental health component shortly, but allows you to stave off a lot of things that a lot of people can't because they don't have that physical component. And of course, the fact that you're in a reality where you have to pretend the world is good and you're okay every time that red light goes on and it says live.
0: Yeah, I think swimming really made me such a disciplined individual and and having a coach who was adamant about us being on time and if you were one minute late it was hurry up and catch up and if you know your teammates are 200 yards into a warm-up and you've got to catch up you know you're behind the whole practice Mm -hmm. and so it's it's those are the words you never want to hear and I, I think it's not just about being on time that's really about developing a strong character strength and I think We all spend too much time in our anxious brains instead of our curious brains. We spend so much time in how we're not good enough rather than identifying and leveraging our strengths and and using those, not just for ourselves, but for the people around us, our communities, our families, organizations, and causes greater than ourselves. I, I, you know... (laughs) We talked about this before we started recording briefly, but this whole notion that it's just all about us, you you see it so much, but if you aren't making the people around you better too, if more people aren't becoming successful because of your success, that's why whether you realize it or not, it might just be subconscious, but you will feel the lack of fulfillment. You will feel the lack of meaning in your life. Absolutely,
1: you're just treading water.
0: Yeah, And, and, and what is it all for?
1: more to your point, when the Kardashians reach a 20 year anniversary being on broadcast TV, that says a lot about our society.
0: <laughs> it's funny you say <laughs> that because I was flipping through channels. I rarely watch television, but I needed just a mental break. And they're, they're great for a mental break to think about nothing That's for, for sure. a few minutes, yeah. but it was an episode from 10 years ago. And I, I thought, oh my gosh, they all have different faces and, and bodies. And so Good for them and their, their material success. I take nothing away from the Kardashians. But then I I think when I see you you completely reconstruct your face or body, all I get from that is self hatred. And so I, for me, that is a message of redefining success. Mm. And they're a perfect example. And I have fallen prey to this as well. When is it enough? enough money, enough surgery, enough followers, enough designer handbags, enough whatever. I mean, especially when I, they are not a family known for philanthropic efforts. They're not the Dolly Parton, like look at a Dolly Parton extreme success. She gives all her money away. That's a huge difference. I mean, she loves the hair and makeup and and fancy shiny objects as, as much as the Kardashians sure, or me or the next person.
1: She's not surfaced.
0: Yeah, and that's, again, that and, uh, that proves our point. What are you What are you doing all of this for?
1: So Kate Ekman, your book title, The Full Spirit Workout. Tell me your uh, philosophy and perspective of spirit maybe five or 10 years ago compared to how you define spirit now. Hmm
0: probably 10 years ago when I would spirit it's kind of like woo rah rah or like she's got Kate's got a great spirit because I've got a lot of energy and enthusiasm go. I love life and I I think spirit now to me is much deeper like you said spirit is something that can never be rejected or overlooked or criticized it is our pure um you know divinity it is um we are I do believe in God and a higher power God to me is love it's not a judge who wants to you know, hurt us in any way. Um, I think the spirit is, is something that can never be broken. I think it's eternal. I think it's our powerhouse. I think it's the place where we all need to live because when we live from this place, our intentions, our work, our actions, our behavior, um, it, 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 I guess it's just, it's pure. I mean, it's hard to even put into the word. It's, it's just, you're doing God's work. You're doing what you're supposed to be doing in terms of service and the upliftment of the world. Does that make sense?
1: What do you say to listeners and people that you coach uh, very well and a lot of uh, high successful achieving people, everyday uh, business persons and athletes that don't have a big belief system in God and afterlife and all that, but have a fundamental belief and grasp on the word spirit in terms of just knowing that there's energy in this universe that you know about because you convey it every time you're in front of a camera, every time you're on stage, every time you're connecting with a client that is larger than us. It doesn't have to be the G word or Jesus or however you want to couch it, but there is something bigger or there.
0: Yeah, that's such a great question, and I recently started coaching an entire um, C-suite at a private equity organization, and they're—they're they're not touchy-feely. <laughs> like me,
1: imagine um, that.
0: but, but they are open to it. And they'll, they'll supplement. They're like, you know, we're accountants. We're not great at, you know, talking to our colleagues or like, so they, they know, and they're, but you know, I, I argue, I said, no, you have a great personality, you know, let's try to get more comfortable having a meaningful conversation with your colleague and, and building your team, um, cohesiveness and relating better to that frustrating client that won't leave you alone, the CFO at some organization, <laughs> you know? Um, but I think that the, the whole, word I want to express here is willingness. And, and one client signed on with me. He said, you know, cause I talk about my mind, body, spirit approach. And he said, I'm not really into that, but I'm open to it and I'm willing to learn more. And I think what he gets from spirit, what it, it doesn't matter what, what language or what word we use, but what he gets from it is after I talk to you, I feel so lit up for weeks. I have more energy. I feel better about myself. I feel like I can do anything
1: That's and so everything.
0: we don't have to label it but or, or what they love they say to me you know you just come with such a different fresh perspective and it is someone who is living from the spirit rather than in the ego and the head and someone who can kind of see from the outside looking in um and, and offer that that fresh perspective and and it's leading by my intuition and from that divine wisdom, rather than just what my ego mind can offer.
1: Talk to me about your breaking point. When did you say to yourself internally that I I can't live like this any longer?
0: Well, I was, you know, in the middle of Times Square, which is panic inducing, even under the best of circumstances, but- I had what I, I now realize was a, a massive panic attack. I had it had been just six weeks since a man who I consider to be, you know, the love of my life jumped off a bridge, uh-huh. you know, nearly a year to the day after another dear friend also took his life. And I wasn't giving myself the proper time to grieve or care for my my well-being. And, you know, in the name of making it happen and the hustle, I had jobs to go to and money to make, heaven forbid I take a day off. And you know, fortunately, I was able to reach out to my brother, John, who was a physician and get some help. And he really saved me that day because I was in the Dwayne Reed, across from Penn Station contemplating taking a bottle of pills, not because I wanted to hurt myself, but I was just in so much pain and I just desperately wanted it to go away and and he threatened to call the cops and i thought who have you become what is going on you're the happiest person i know why are you what is up and it it just kind of snapped me like back into consciousness and i thought I can't do this anymore. And I really have to come up with the keys for a better way of living. And it was, it was more than just the grief of losing these two men so tragically. And suddenly it really was looking at myself and how I was choosing to live my life. A person who like nearly everybody, quite frankly, so invested in what other people thought, so invested in the shiny objects and, and the outside sources that as I've learned can never offer anything but temporary happiness.
1: Your world instantly became pulverized. I mean, that is just overwhelming in every capacity, even if you did have it all together, uh, which, you know, not many people do. And what is together? You know, the definition varies from person to person. It's all perspective based. But I mean, to have two people so close to you die by suicide in such a close and small time of realm in this world, I mean, that's just just rattling and mind-boggling. And, and I'm glad you were able to say that, you know what? yes, I can't live like this, this has to change. Um, And I'm going to be the trailblazer and and redefine my life and reevaluate who I am and how I can touch the lives of others and be a positive force.
0: Yeah, and it's important to talk about these topics. You know, I never grew up thinking that I'm going to be the face of suicide prevention. I mean, who wants that freaking you know, title or job. It, it's, it's one of my greatest life assignments. It's extremely challenging. It's heartbreaking. I'm triggered a lot. I cry a lot. Um, not boo hoo, but it's, it's sad. And it's not, it's not just sad because of me, I'm extremely empathetic. I pick up on everybody's sadness. So many people have been impacted by suicide, uh, mental illness. People are impacted every day by their own limits or limitations, um, to their own self-worth and So few people are talking about it because of the stigma and people are more concerned with looking cool than being, real. And there's so much shame. I certainly was succumbed to shame for years. I'm I'm done with it. I don't care if, if you like what I'm saying or don't like what I'm saying. This is my truth. I hope it inspires you to tell your truth, even if it feels ugly or shameful or challenging. This is where life gets really juicy. Let, let's go, guys. I mean, <laughs> we're, we're nearing yeah. midnight. We're in crisis mode. Let's go.
1: I was that person probably about Oh, 28 years ago when my brother jumped off a New York City rooftop and he died by suicide. So immediately my life and my family's life was catapulted into being the survivor. So being part of American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, hosting events, uh, you name it. And still daily, almost impacting people's lives. Even just yesterday, another person reached out to me, and said, Mark, this is what I'm going through. And I love the fact that we are not clinicians. I'm not a clinician. You are a doctor of some sort <laughs> coaching people uh, of, of how to control their life, which is, I think, an art and a uh, medical form as well. But it's, it's great to see that if people don't have to get to that point of destruction, everyone has pain in life, but no one has to suffer and speaking up and just raising your hand saying, I need help. So I'm happy to see that people in my life and obviously people in your life and people in general, uh, with the concentric circles of COVID still the wake of it, we're just actually entering the wake. And hopefully, this will be the beginning of a long wake that will be an eye opening experience for people because mental health is such a pivotal aspect of this. Kate, tell me about the person that you were before, were you devoid of these feelings or were they always there and you just suppress them?
0: Well, first of all, I am so sorry about your brother. And um, I know that I think that the, there's no good news about that but the good news is is that I feel like our angels connect people like us and that makes me really smile. <laughs> so, and it does make me emotional, you know, for him, for you, for your family.
1: Um, And it makes us different people. Uh, Maybe we wouldn't be the sensitive, empathetic people that we are now today. I I like to think that we would be, but you know, this is the reality that we live in and I am not going to sweep it under the carpet just like yourself and many millions others. And this is our call of duty.
0: Yeah. And you know, I, I've definitely always been a very deep feeling person and I'm very in touch with my emotions, but I think now I'm learning how to take the emotions and and use them as a positive and, and not judge them. And just making friends with my uncomfortable feelings and making friends with whatever comes up Letting myself feel it fully and completely, and then it leaves my body. I can move on, but I do ask my emotions um, to teach me things. I ask them, "What are What are you here for me to know or understand? How can I, I use this information to help others?" And I think so much of it is being willing to speak so candidly and openly about the difficult feelings. It's easy to talk about joy and love, but but talking about the difficult feelings so candidly and vulnerable vulnerably maybe other people aren't going to do it in a public format, like, like you and and me, but they will do it with their spouse. They will do it with their children. They'll, they'll do it with themselves. And so that is my mission. Um, you know, it's, it, it it feels good, not because, oh, you make millions of dollars by, and, and you could, and, and, you know, but it's just for me, such a noble life assignment to talk about this and to be a suicide prevention activist and to, I think really take the time to see, hear and acknowledge every single human that I come into contact with throughout my day, because I know the pain of not feeling seen by even people who love us or claim to love us. And I think there's certainly an element of someone who gets to a place where they think their only option is to end their life. They don't feel seen. And and it starts with us, of course, but just really taking the time to make people feel more comfortable being human and all that comes with it.
1: There's no greater reward I think Kate than actually touching someone's life.
0: Yeah, and and that's when it is that that priceless, you can't mm-hmm. put a price tag on it and um that that's what brings me joy. And and that's even from my research, I didn't need this research to tell me this, but some people are really into research. My book is packed with it, but my own life indicated, you know, those things that society says will make us happy, the money, the house, the car, the good grades, the good body, the good looking partner, all those things are nice, but they don't move the needle on our well being. What moves the needle are things like social connection, acts of kindness and service, gratitude visits. One of my favorite things I wrote about in the book, sleep and exercise. So all of those things are free and we don't utilize them more because we think, Oh no, I'll be happier when I get more money.
1: Kate Ekman is my guest. She's the author of the full spirit workout, a 10 step system to shed your self-doubt, strengthen your spiritual core and create a fun and fulfilling life. My name is Mark for the show's insight on a progressive radio network. You know, it must've been difficult to be in a career day after day Where you're just judged on your performance and (laughs) your exterior and having the core of you. And I'm not sure if it obviously waned and ebbed and flowed at different times, I'm sure, in your life. That had self-confidence issues, that is really, really difficult when you're judged on everything you say or don't say and how you say it. As a person in radio, you know, we get told to come into your room and when they go over your air checks, they go over your videos and say, This is great, this is great, this is horrible. You can't do that. So it takes a toll.
0: It it does. And I'm 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 laughing because even exactly. as as recent as <laughs> A month ago or so, and I'm promoting this book that's all about, our, you know, developing our, our, our inner beauty and strength and wisdom. And I had a woman on live television say to me, well, you're young and beautiful. You get everything you want. And it's live television and it's a six minute segment. So there's not a lot of time, but I, that's why I'm like, oh, I'm glad I have TV experience and, and, and just was in the moment and present with her. And, you know how sad that that's still happening—that we're, we're especially women judging women and all based on what we look like—and oh, must be nice to be you. And you know what? It is nice to be me. <laughs> you know, and I acknowledge my—you know that, right? And and I acknowledge my privilege. But you know, my first reaction that I didn't say is, I get everything I want because of what I look. And I'm all I could think was the love of my life jumped off a bridge. But because you think I'm attractive, I get everything I want. And I just. Wow. (laughs) So that's what we do, right? We judge people and, and without knowing their story, without knowing anything about them, without taking the time to ask them deep, rich, meaningful questions to get to the heart of who they are and, and what gift that we could give them and the gift that we could receive by actually taking the time to know people. And I get judged. I mean, it's come up a lot in the press for this book and it's, I say, to, like, thank you for the compliment that you think I'm attractive. I'll let my mom and dad know you approve of their genetics, you know, and I am happy to keep up with my looks, but you, you know, have
1: nothing to do with it,
0: but it's just,
1: right.
0: it's just interesting and,
1: the makeup, but you have nothing yeah. to do with how you look essentially.
0: And, and, and that's, but that's our culture. And mm-hmm. that's, and then there's this notion to like. Everyone wants to put us in a box where it's like, if you're pretty, you can't be anything else. Or if you're smart, you know, it's our people get mad, but I just say to them, anything you see in me that you are admiring, it's also within you. Otherwise, you wouldn't see it. And, you know, your envy is blocking your blessings. So there's a spiritual principle that says, may we be generous out of self interest, meaning, you know, give the people their props and genuinely, because you're going to attract that back into your life. We can only keep what we give away. In other words. So, um, yes, there is that, that, um, pressure, but I've used it to my advantage and then have done research on it. And now I get to help high-performing people, whether it's professional athletes or CEOs really manage their stress and, and manage how to, um, that pressure of having to always be on and and then deliberately taking that off time and to focus on being a better leader. And really a better leader is someone who cares more and makes the people around them better.
1: And Kate, so many great points. I just wanna touch on one of them, of course, as a person who's smart and educated and trained in this field that you know those people cannot look internally. That's why they're looking externally. I mean. Think about all the negativity and hatred, think about that horrible, horrible six year old boy who was shot a week ago on the freeway in California because someone flipped off the wrong person. People have major issues, and of course, I think the world was kind of nuts up before COVID, but you know, it's reached an all time level anyway. So, let's get more on to your book. Let's talk <laughs> about the research, Neuroscience. Um, people, and how many times have you been asked this question? What is a newscaster saying the word neuroscience for? You can't know anything about that.
0: Well, I, <laughs> I luckily, luckily I, you know, have done other, other training. And so I, I haven't got that. I think people, they see my credentials and, and, and background. And I think that's how you, you can book a lot of shows or appearances. They, they see your resume, but I think what people are, are resonating most with or more impressed with is just my candor and vulnerability, Mm -hmm. my, my willingness to just show up and and, and tell it how it is. Be present. You know, when you release a book, you do so much press and, um, you know, you, you, I have vulnerability hangovers all the time and, and I'm human. You know, we all get tired, whatever your job that. is. Yeah. There's days you're like, I'm exhausted. I don't have it today. And I think of the late great Kobe Bryant who would say, you know, some days I show up at the arena my back hurts, my knees hurt. I think I'm old. I don't have it, but I don't succumb to that. I, I rise above it and I let that fuel me. And so for me, when I show up and I invite everyone, you know, show up at your job or at your date or with your spouse and just really focus on being fully present, turn off the distractions and focus on connecting. And that's what I'm doing here with you. And then, and then everything else takes care of itself. As my swim coach would say, when you take care of the little things, the big things take care of themselves. And so, yeah, when I, when I did have my breaking point years ago, I, I went back to school and I studied neuroscience and positive psychology and whole person coaching techniques at Columbia. I spent hours doing research. I, I love to do research because I have one of my signature strengths is a love of learning. I like to become better in personal and professional development. It, it never ends. It, it is like physical fitness. You don't wake up one day with your six pack and think, all right, I never have to go work out again. I mean, I have never had a six pack. I wouldn't know, but I imagine they have to work out harder than the rest of us. And so, or the people that, Sacrifice. you know, well, I, I'm good enough already. I don't have to keep training. I think of, you know, Tom Brady who trains harder than anyone, not because he's the worst, but because he's the best. And so I I think that what science also, I mean, I mentioned it about what really moves the needle in our well-being—but but it is important to take our spiritual vitamins and boost our psychological immunity. And we do that by, you know, taking the focus off of our social media and the money and all of those things and put it back on the connection. And, And the number one way that you can do that is paying a gratitude visit with someone. And that's where you write this person a 300 word letter, you call them up and say, you'd like to visit them, don't tell them why, and you read them this letter of appreciation, someone who has impacted your life, who you've never properly thanked, when do we usually do this? We do it at someone's funeral. So do it now, look them in the eye, tell them how they've changed your life. You will get the biggest happiness well-being boost as will the other person. You'll both probably cry and you will have this bond for life that can't be broken. And I I have that with my friend Vanessa who I did this visit with. And I think if we spend more time in these places and on these exercises and activities then you become the person who naturally attracts all of your desires Mm, rather than striving or trying to control to make it happen. Sure,
1: and I hope that people accept this in a more, I don't know, tolerable fashion because I would think after all we've encountered in the last 16 months or so, we'd be a humbler and gentler form of what we were before.
0: Yeah, and and it's a decision. I think you have to get really clear with yourself and ask who do I want to be? What kind of impact do I want to have on on the world? And and what kind of decisions am I willing to make to help not only myself but the people around me? And I don't think that you would attract people who simply hate or don't care about people. So I don't think this is the audience. Um, and I've learned to let those people go. I, in the past, I wanted, I wanted to please everybody. I wanted everyone to benefit from my message and my work. And that's just so unrealistic. However, I think even the people who are in a very dark negative space, I think they, they might hear something that, you know, Maybe they've lost someone to suicide and they took the opposite route of us where they're in a place of, of resentment and anger and self-destruction. And maybe they hear our story and and they are slowly, but surely inspired to move in a different direction.
1: Absolutely. Kate Ekman, before we are out of time, give us a a quick overview of the 10 step plan. uh, One or two items that you feel our listeners will really benefit from, from your book.
0: Well, I think we we start with stretch your comfort zone and our comfort zone is just this arbitrary boundary that we've Uh created in our mind based on fear. You can delete it at any time. Home
1: studio. (laughs) <laughs>
0: yeah, come up and come up with a, a new story or mantra for yourself. And, and when you are willing and, and courageous enough to step out of this comfort zone, the universe will assist you in, in co-creation and co-creation and you will receive the support and guidance that you need to, to fulfill this risk. So that's where life gets really juicy. That's where we grow into the people who can be and attract what we really want. And another step, I mean, I love my confidence step about strengthening your core confidence where I I go over the five P's of confidence, which are presence, patience, purpose, preparation, and practice. And then recently I've come up with two bonus P's which are pause and person as in be a person. So I'd love for you to check all of that out. I know we don't have time. And then, you know, the element of boosting your mental metabolism. We know that what we eat and drink gives us the energy and and boosts or or suppresses our, our physical metabolism. So this is about feeding your mind with the positive thoughts rather than the limiting thoughts. And a great way to get there is the tool known as reframing, reframing a negative into a positive with two words, what if? you know, what if this wasn't hard? What if this was fun? What if this was a great opportunity, you know, be more playful in your mental metabolism approach and, and, and really boost it. And, and you'll find you have more energy and you won't feel so bogged down all the time because you're getting clear on these thoughts and then releasing them and replacing them with more empowering solutions.
1: And that coupled with not repeating the same things that haven't worked for you again and again.
0: Yeah, just, just being Replacing. willing, yeah. And it's instead of, I find when people say, let it go, it sounds very dismissive. So I like to say, I give it up, or like, please take this from me, <laughs> you know? Like, I'm not enlightened enough to not judge this really jerk of a person right now and tell him that he's being a jerk please take this from me and it works. And then eventually the jerk doesn't even bother you anymore or you're not even around jerks. And, and you aren't a jerk either.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you took the word right out of my mouth, but I can't, I may argue with you on that point. And, yeah. and talk about the physical component because I am such a major supporter of, you know, movement is medicine. Um, you know, an object in motion tends to stay in motion. It is such a powerful, whether it's just five minutes walking, stretching, moving the body is such a great start, especially since people were so sedentary uh, or people went the other way sometimes because they didn't have a gym. So they took to the outside and people became even fitter. But it's usually a vast dichotomy.
0: Yeah, I, I, walking has saved my life these past 15 months and not just it's kept my body fit and healthy and strong and but also I do what's known as a walking meditation. And I I really take the, you know, the intellect and my mind and I move it down into my heart and into my body where it becomes wisdom. So think of driving a car that is body wisdom. So take your daily mantras, take your, your strong beliefs. And then as you're walking, move it from your head down into your heart. So again, then you're, you're changing your default setting into one of hope and, and strength rather than nothing ever works out for me, or let me call coddle my weaknesses or neuroses, no. And, and if you notice too, when you're taking a brisk walk, it's really hard to be pissed off. You're, you're more in a place of like, all right, I've got this, I can do it. And you might start angry, but then you know you literally are walking it out of your system.
1: Tonight, I hope to get on a bike by 6, 630 and ride 30, 35 miles. I could have something on my mind, which I do, that's really eating away at me. And, and I know, and I'm dealing with it but by the end of that ride it's a foregone conclusion.
0: Yeah, that was me as a swimmer. Same yeah. thing. I would go into practice up, you know, I was like young, upset about some college related You're still whatever. Young. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. And and by the end of swim practice I'm like I don't even remember what I was so upset about.
1: A new version of Kate. Yeah. So broadcast journalist, TV personality, accomplished entrepreneur, mindfulness expert, certified executive coach and meditation teacher and course creative for Insight Timer, the world's number one ranked free meditation app. Is there one possibly that you can put your finger on to say, I like this the most?
0: I, I love coaching. I I love seeing the shift that can happen even in a 10 minute or hour long session with Great. a client and, and just seeing the stress literally release out of their face and into you know what i've got this i i do have what it takes i can handle this upsetting situation i can have a difficult conversation and most importantly i just i feel good and i'm i'm in a place of, of energetic enthusiasm that's it's so rewarding and not that i'm giving that to people i'm teasing it out of them they already have it i'm just reminding them
1: you know what years can do uh an awful lot to a person when we suppress a little bit out of a time maybe we're in a job we don't like relationship uh, maybe we're drinking too much. All those things get blanketed on us and we don't recognize the people who we possibly were or want to be. And with these subtle changes, uh, whether it's your program or another person's program or a hybrid of both or a, an amalgamate of many others, you know, change is possible. And, and one other thing I want to mention to you, Kate, because I'm sure you're a major proponent of this, working in the broadcast world, surrounding yourself with people with substance that are not into the conversation for what they're gonna get out of it for themselves. So when you are genuine people and you put out this positive vibe, et cetera, et cetera, of course, there's always people in life are gonna be takers, 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 but you will be amazed about that sea of people around you will change.
0: You're speaking my language and (laughs) you are case in point right here. We have an instant connection. Nobody knows that I've known you less than an hour. and I. I feel closer to you than some people I've known for years. And that just speaks to um, who you are as a person and someone with depth, someone who's willing to have uncomfortable conversations, someone who's willing to be who they are um beneath all the the you know glitz and glamour and job titles and all of the things and i am finding that my friend said to me a few months ago you're going to meet so many incredible people through your book and that's been the biggest gift and reward because it hasn't as you know unless you are a huge celebrity books are not money makers it is so much work and energy and time but this is my gift this is my reward this is more valuable than money in so many ways and my friend, Vanessa says this to me all the time, let people fall away. And this is the era of just letting people and things fall away with love, with grace, with compassion, and make space for the people who see you want to support you. You don't have to ask and want to love you and know how to do it because they have cultivated that relationship already with themselves.
1: Beautiful. And at the same notion, I'm going to take the uh, converse of Vanessa's perspective. Vanessa, right? Yep. She gives sage advice. I like Vanessa.
0: I love Vanessa.
1: (laughs) If there are people in your life that don't know it, and you mentioned this before, how important they are, let them know. Because if anything, COVID has proven that life again, it's a cliche, but some cliches are cliches for a reason. You know, we're all here temporarily.
0: Yeah, that's, that's my gratitude visit in my book who I wrote the letter to Vanessa, who we Yay. just spoke about. So um, yeah, it, it, it is so profound and even take three words. I appreciate you. I tell everyone and their sister, I appreciate you. It's genuine, whether it's my web designer who I'm like the website's acting up, she fixes it. Oh my gosh, I appreciate you so much. And just start telling people you rock, good job. Thanks for being here. It's so simple. Why don't because pe- when I do it, people look at me like I'm an alien. and it's just like, why is this the weird thing to do? But it's completely normal to be a jerk. I'm like let's flip that.
1: I love that. And this Saturday I'll be hosting an event, a biker event for American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. So imagine like two or five hundred bikers coming together and but they're there for a reason. So something inside of them is tugging, okay, I need to contribute. Maybe I need to learn about mental health, whatever the case is, but my job is to be there as a six foot three man who's in radio, but more importantly, a guy who's lost a brother who's lived with depression, lived with anxiety to show that we're vulnerable and that we have the tools to survive and through education and communication, we can change things. So I look forward to that. That's going to be my personal coaching moment because so many people, I, I know this because I've been doing it for years, will come up to me and say, and I imagine a big burly guy come up to me and say, dude, you spoke right to me. And I can't wait for yeah. that.
0: Yeah, and thank you for this powerful and so important work that you're doing. Please invite me to all of your future a events. Biker bar? You
1: got it. <laughs> I will be there. I want to
0: support. I I just, Excellent. this takes so much courage, uh, what you're doing and, and strength. And I just- I, I see you, my friend, and, oh, and I thank I I just I appreciate the work that you're doing because I know it, it isn't easy.
1: And the world needs to see your book, The Full Spirit Workout, a 10-stage, a 10-step system to shed your self-doubt, Strengthen your spiritual core, and create a fun and fulfilling life. KateEckman.tv, thank you so much for your time and for your gifts. You rock.
0: Thank you so much. I appreciate you. I'm giving you a big hug around the computer. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so if you want to get radically honest with yourself, I think you should listen to Kate, man. She's got it going on. Her book is The Full Spirit Workout, a 10-step system to shed your self-doubt, strengthen your spiritual core, and create a fun and fulfilling life. Kate Eckman. that's E-C-K-M-A-N dot TV. Hey, it's Mark Farrell. Thanks so much for listening. Um, we don't have much time, but I want to get to the uh, Paralympics and Olympics. They start a week from tomorrow. And of course, as an athlete, as a person with a disability, as a person who's followed the Paralympics for years, I'm extremely, extremely stoked and excited for the opening events. Of course, the Paralympics always precede the Olympics, which is another topic I'd like to address another time. But I also want to talk about um, a TV pilot um, very quickly that I've been involved with. Um, it's a great concept. I can't divulge what it is right now, but it was shot. Uh, We finished about four or five months ago. Yeah, kind of in the thick of the pandemic or the waning aspect of the part or the waning part of the pandemic. And it's really neat. Um, I act as a commentary. I act as a commentator during the actual event and sort of the producer during the TV pilot and giving some input like that. But um, I can't wait to share this with you. And there's a sizzle reel. A sizzle reel is kind of like the best of this TV pilot that you use to shop around to TV networks to different digital platforms and say, Hey, here's our concept. Here's what it looks like. Here's what it sounds like. What do you think? Do you want to buy it? Do you want to shoot it? Do you want to reshoot it? Do you want to use us? Do you want to hire a mark? Do you want to fire a mark? you want to tell him he's the worst announcer commentator in the world? You would be justifiable if you did. <laughs> but anyway, looking forward to share that with you because uh, I think you'll also embrace this concept because you know what? It's something most of us have experienced in life. Usually earlier in life, like um, maybe it could be definitely high school, could be college. It could definitely be right now. Something that you are living with that you regret and that you wish you could redo. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, I'm kind of baiting you and I don't mean that, but it's just it's a great concept. And I, uh, I hope to share that with you real soon. Hey, thanks so much. I really, really wanted to spend uh, more time talking about some other things, but we ran out of time. Great conversation with Kate Ekman. Thank you so much, Kate. And check her out at kateekman.tv. That's E C K M A N.tv. Gary Knowles next, my friends. Next week, a phenomenal interview with Chris Bosch. Yes, the one and only NBA Hall of Famer, Chris Bosch, joins me. And I'm really looking forward to that great conversation and sharing that with you. Hey, it's Mark Farrell. Have a great day. Enjoy summer. Keep living and laughing.
0: Insight with Mark Farrell. Check out this and all Insight shows on the Insight page at prn.fm. prn.fm. Have Mark speak at your company, your kid's school, or college. Mark speaks on critical topics that affect kids and adults everywhere, from anti-bullying, mental health, drugs, and alcohol, to overcoming adversity. Visit markfarrellmotivation.com for more info. Insight, Thursday mornings at 11 on the Progressive Radio Network. Network.